exciting. So let me pray and we'll look into God's word. Father God, thank you again for this day, but I thank you especially for your word and how powerful it is. And as we look into it now, God, may your Holy Spirit teach us, lead us, guide us, convict us, do what he does best. And we ask it, God, in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Do you ever think, of, you ever think about the things uh, that we tend to make much of? You know, things that we tend to get really excited about. You know, the things that uh, you don't hesitate ever to post onto Facebook or to Instagram, that you know that when you take that picture, when you have that experience, I'm sharing this bad boy. You know it. This is the, these are the kind of things, because you want to make much of them. I mean, things like tidbits about um, our kids or our pets or our experiences like, like recent travel or a concert or maybe a beautiful sunset or... So often that satisfying and that delicious meal that we've had, we just, you know, for some of you, you're foodies, and that just means a, a whole lot to you. It's like, oh, I just want to make much of this, or maybe it's a movie, or it's a song, or it's a quote that just has, has really moved you in some particular way. Well, the truth is that we all really make much of what is important to us, don't we? If it's important to us, we want to let people know. We want to make much of it. So I believe, really, the appropriate question for this Easter morning to ask is, how often do we think about making much of Jesus? How often do we think about making much about Jesus, about making a big deal about the truth of who he is and all that he's done for us? I'm not talking about making much just out of, because it's the season, but really for who he is and really what he has done. Because the truth is, and by the way, if you got the little pieces of paper, if you want to, these are little notes we have. If you want to fill out as we go along, we got five little fill-in things. If it helps you, once again, those of you that visual and write them down and I'll tell you the answers to them. This is just for those you don't have to do it. It's if you want a little extra more. So here's the first one. The first one is when it gets down to what's most important in life, when it comes to making much of something in comparison to anything we can experience, only Jesus is truly worthy of being made much of. And it really is my hope. My hope is that this morning that we will all be even more convinced of this by the end of this service, by what we're going to look at, what we're going to even sing about, what we're going to hear from people, that we'll be more convinced than ever that making much of Jesus is the most important thing that we can do. Yet one thing I've really learned over the years of being a believer is that in order to make much of Jesus, we really need to understand who he really is. Because oftentimes we can make much of something that we think is important, especially Jesus, but if we don't understand who he really is, we really don't know how to make much of him. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life where you're going, I love Jesus and I want people to know, but I don't know how to express that. Well, really, one way to do that actually is to know and understand not only having an intimate relationship with him and not only giving him everything in our lives, but also there's a very practical way. And that is knowing and understanding some of the over 200 different names and titles that are attributed to Jesus in the Bible. And we're going to go over every single one. I'm kidding. Well, um, 
you know that there's over 200 names and titles for Jesus in the Bible. And really, the more that we understand those, the more that we understand, oh my gosh, I can't wait to make much of Jesus because this is who he is. Not just Jesus from, like we've talked, I've talked about, mentioned before, like Jesus from the flannel graph from when I was a little kid or Jesus that I just know over here. But wow, because I got to tell you, the more I've learned about Jesus, I've been a believer since I was 12 years old. But the more I learn about who Jesus is by the names and titles he has, I'm continually astonished at how much more I can love him, I can appreciate him, and how much more I want to make much of him. Does that make sense? I'm sure many of you have experienced the same thing. There's lots of names out there. I put some of them up on the board. You've heard, many of you heard these. There's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the bread of life, the author and the finisher of our faith, the, the chief shepherd the light of the world, Emmanuel, King of Kings, Prince of Peace. This is just a handful of the over 200. So can you imagine, as we really get to truly understand these titles, how that changes how we see him and how we want to make much of him? Well, this morning, what we're going to do, I have chosen a rather interesting passage to look at for an Easter service. We're going to be looking in the book of Revelation this morning. Okay, happy Easter. We're going to be looking in the book of Revelation, and what we're going to see is we're going to see a few very meaningful names and titles for Jesus that I really believe can help us tremendously in making much of Jesus. Now, what this passage is, it's a passage that includes part of a vision that the author John had while he was exiled on this island of Patmos. Now, it's in this vision, it's this vision that John has. You got to kind of picture it in your head. I wanted to find a picture up there, but then I thought, no, let's picture it in your head. What, what he's seeing here, he's having this vision of God in this heavenly throne room, or what, okay? And he's just gotten done describing with this incredible symbolic imagery these elders and creatures that really are supposed to represent all of humankind and all of nation, all nations, and they're surrounding him and they're worshiping as he sits on this incredibly magnificent throne. So you got to picture that in your head. So that's what's going on. That's what he's seeing in. That's what he's seeing in. Now he goes on to the next thing. So we're going to pick it up in, uh, we're going to put the verses up here so you have to worry about uh, if you forgot a Bible or whatever, to have one, that's fine. So let's pick it up. We're going to look at verse one of chapter five in Revelation. It says this, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. You're thinking to yourself, I understand that eggs are weird for Easter, but scrolls? 
Well, let's, check this. let's look at this a little bit more. At this point in his vision, John's attention, what it does, it now is drawn to the scroll that God has in his hand, okay? God has a scroll, and it's sealed with seven seals. Now, the following chapters in Revelation reveal to us that each seal, as, it, it's, as it's broken, a new judgment or a new punishment on all the evil and all the wickedness that's happening in the world is unleashed, this is number two on your, on your thing there, talking about the scroll. And in his sovereignty, what is in there is in his sovereignty, what God has determined is the destiny of the world at the end of time. It's his redemptive plan for the future of history, of his creation. So this is, this is basically saying, this is what's going to happen at the end of time. And this is all picture of that, okay? It's just imagery that he is using. Now, we see that this a mighty angel is calling for someone who's worthy to open the scroll and break the seals. Is there anyone? He's calling out. Is anyone worthy to do this? Because not just anybody can open this scroll. Only someone with really, really impeccable moral authority and legal right can do this. Not just anyone. It's as if, picture it this way. It's as if God is kind of like this architect, okay? And he's got these, holding these plans for this incredible building project, or, or he's a general, and he's got these powerful, wonderful plans for this upcoming battle. And he's looking for someone who is truly worthy. Who can open this? Okay? Who can open this and initiate my plan? I'm not going to do it. Somebody has to do it. And we see that nothing in creation anywhere meets that criteria of being worthy of initiating this plan. So with God's plan looking like it might be thwarted, we see here that John begins to weep, begins to cry. He goes, oh my gosh, God's plan, his eternal plan. Someone, there's nobody. But look what happens. There is a solution. Look at verse 5. He says, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he, so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So one of these elders you know, that's surrounding God's throne, he comforts John by telling him, look, there is somebody. Okay, there is someone worthy to open the scroll. And he uses these two messianic descriptive titles for him. He says the first one is the lion of of Judah, okay? Lion of the tribe of Judah. And what this originally comes from is it's a blessing that Jacob gave to his son Judah, referring to him as a lion cub or as a lion. And what that was, it was symbolizing that the tribe of Judah would be this kingly tribe. Kings are going to come out of you. Kings are going to come from your tribe. It's really, think about a lion, Really, what this is all about, it's, it's symbolizing this ultimate power and ultimate majesty. Now, it's interesting, both the genealogies in Matthew and in Luke record that Jesus is a descendant of the tribe of Judah. Okay, the second thing is, he says that he is the root of David. Now, there's one I'm sure you haven't heard too often when describing Jesus, the root of David. What this means is it's an allusion to a prophecy in Isaiah, which looked forward to this ideal king that would be in the line of David, who would judge with complete righteousness, 
righteousness and usher in this era of peace. Look at what Paul, the Apostle Paul said in Romans. He wrote this, the root of Jesse, Jesse was David's father, will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So number three on your notes there. So when Jesus is called the lion of Judah and the root of David, here's what's happening. This is describing his ultimate power his majesty, and his authority, okay? This isn't just some weird lineage name for him. It's describing this. He's the long-awaited true king that will ultimately rule over all the nations. So this is an important descriptive titles for him, okay? Now, John sees what he, oh, I'm sorry, let me say something. He says, because this lion, he's going to say, because this lion and this kingly person conquered sin by, in sin by rising from the dead, which is why we are here today celebrating this, he alone, he's the only one that can open the throne, open the scroll. That's how important and how powerful these descriptions are of him. He's only he can make God's allow God's plan to continue to happen. Now we see something else interesting which ultimately makes Jesus the only one worthy. Let's look at the next section here that is described in this picture. You got to picture this in your head. So we got so we got these two here. We got the lion of Judah and the root of David. Okay? Look at verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp a gold and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed the people for God and for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. What a bizarre sight this must have been. So get this. He no longer sees this lion. He now sees a what? A lamb. Now he sees this lamb, yet this lamb looks as though it's been slain or it's been killed. So picture this lamb that's been brutally killed, yet it's standing there. It's like, it's as, it's as, as if it's ready for action, ready to go. Okay? And it has these seven, this is crazy. He's got these seven horns and these seven eyes, which really what they're meant to do is they're meant to, they're, these are all symbols. And these are to symbolize this perfect power and this perfect wisdom that Jesus has. Okay? So that's what he's doing here. He's trying to give us an incredible description. And get this, hundreds of years before this, before John is recording this, Isaiah prophesied this. Listen to this. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I hope you're seeing this, this weird thing that's happening. with the, we, got a, we got a lion. 
Now we got a lamb that's looked like it's been absolutely slain. It's got all, all these things happening. And this is number four on your notes there. What this does, this illustrates for us is the paradox or the mystery of not only this book of Revelation, but the Christian experience in general. And this is what it is, that victory comes not through force, but through sacrifice. It doesn't come through force. It comes through sacrifice. It could have stayed a lion. We could have seen this incredible power. Heck yeah, go. Eat up sin. Eat it all up. Take care of all the evil in the world. Go. We see that he turns into a, a lamb. John's vision is the lion is the lamb. You see, the ultimate display of God's power this lion power that we think about when we think about a lion. I think I read in the news, I saw in the news yesterday, someone was just mauled at a zoo, again, by a tiger. So when we think about tigers and the lions, we think about this powerful stuff. But God says, uh-uh, I'm going to display my incredible lion-like power by sowing sacrifice. I'm going to demonstrate it by humble, self-giving sacrifice. That's what we're celebrating today. Did you, you realize this is a day of triumph? This is a day of power? I wasn't going to share this, but I need to. My dad passed away late last night. Yeah, no. This is why I wasn't going to share. Um, and uh, godly man. I mean, when I think about my father, I think of a man who every day in high school, when I got up to get ready to go to school, I saw him in his chair doing his quiet time. And he'd be sitting there, you know, with his Bible open and his little daily bread thing, and he'd be doing every, every day. And uh, I was there for a week, a couple weeks ago, as he's in home hospice care. And then the day after I left, my sister sent me a video of uh, his family members in his room, and one of them playing a guitar, and my dad's laying there. You know, tears coming down his eyes, and, and it was just... And then I got the call late last night that my dad is gone. And I just thought, my, you know, my first reaction was, yes. Yes. I mean, talk about finishing the race. And that's what this day is about. I mean, I think it's ironic that my dad dies a few hours before I have to get up and preach about the power, the power of Christ and what it does and how it changes our lives and how it gives us meaning in our life now. But there's so much power. But the reality is it came through sacrifice. It came through sacrifice. Sorry to get emotional. Uh, <laughs> so really because of his self-sacrifice, only Jesus, the lamb, is worthy of taking the scroll. Only Jesus can do that. And to show, this is what's cool, and to show the ultimate validation for his worthiness, these elders and these creatures surrounding God's throne, they all fall down before Jesus and they start to worship. They all just, there's that great crazy picture again, okay? It says that they worship him, I love this, by singing a what? A new song. They sing to him a new song, and this idea is, comes from Psalms, where we read things like in Psalm 98, where it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? Have you ever thought about singing to God anew and afresh, in, in a way that you've never done before in your life, 
because of your being inspired by the new and wonderful things that he's doing and demonstrating in your life. That's what this is a great example of. Of those of us that are followers of Jesus, as we see him doing things in our life, our response should be worship and praise to the mighty lion who was a lamb for us so that my sins would be completely forgiven, 100% forgiven. This, is, this alone is reason to make much of Jesus. This alone, yet there's more. There's more. Notice in verse 10, I don't know if you remember back, notice verse 10, it says that Jesus has made those of us who are his followers a kingdom of priests to God. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are a priest. And you are a kingdom. You are part of a kingdom of priests to God. Here, and here's what the Apostle Peter said. Listen to what Peter said about what every, this is a person, if you're a Christian today, you're a follower of Jesus, this is what you are. In 1 Peter, look what he says. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's you. That's me. That's who we are. We don't have to go to somebody else. There's no one else that's closer to God than each one of us, we're priests for him to declare his goodness, to declare his greatness. Number five, last one, I know it's what this means is that Jesus redeems us or he buys us back from our slavery to sin in order that we would belong to God and to surrender to him every aspect of our lives in order to serve and glorify him. That's what it means that Jesus died, the lion and the lamb, and died for us so that we then, because believe it or not, those that do not follow, if you do not, are not a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you are a slave to sin. What that means is we're all born with a sin nature, all of us. And until our nature, we get the nature of Christ, until we give ourselves to Jesus and admit what he did on the cross was for us, we have no choice but to live in our sin nature. We have no choice. As we turn our lives over to Christ, we give our lives to Christ, we still struggle with sin, but that's not what we're a slave to anymore. I'm not a slave to that. When I sin, when I fall short of what I know God wants for me, I don't have to go, look, what a... Oh, Look who I am. That's not who I am. It's what I do because I still live here in this world where the sin nature still has me and it's all over the world. But it doesn't define who I am anymore. It doesn't define who you are. What defines you is you're a priest. Now, I know for some of you come from a Catholic background, that might be a little difficult for you to, 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 to swallow. But really, uh, Priest John, he told... He was amazing. Yeah, he probably was amazing. But you are a priest. Follow Jesus, you are a priest. Meant to do things, to serve him, to sacrifice, to bring glory, and to make much of 
him. That's what it's about. See, when we belong to God as a slave to God, as we're his, what amazing purpose that gives us in life. Are you asking the question, what's this life all about? What's the purpose of my life? What, is supposed to, what am I supposed to, what am I here for? This is what you're here for. We're all here for this. We're all here to become priests of God in order to bring him glory and make much of him. That's what we're here for. And there's nothing more fulfilling than that. No amount of money, no amount of whatever can be as satisfying as knowing what it means to be a priest of God. That's an amazing thing. Now, wrap this up. In response to these elders and these creatures worshiping and proclaiming Jesus' worthiness, there comes this amazing response. And once again, gives us another good example of how to make much of Jesus. Look at the last section of this passage. It says this. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Could you just, what a crazy scene this must have been. So in response to this truth concerning who Jesus is, along with the elders and these creatures, what we see here is this mind-boggling number of angels respond by praising. I mean, you can't even count them. They're just going nuts. They're just praising Jesus. And then this praise is then echoed, it says, by every creature in creation. Every creature, anything, everybody, everybody that's ever been created is making much of Jesus. Can you just imagine this rising roar of praise and worship that John was hearing and experiencing in this vision? It just must have been overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever been like in a tunnel when a train comes by or somewhere it's really loud. I've heard like tornadoes or crazies like a train coming. Nothing, nothing compared to this. He just must have just been like frozen. But it wasn't just loud, it was worship and it was praise and God was just, Jesus was being exalted. You know, we tend to make much of many things in our lives. Yet the truth is only Jesus, the risen Savior who has granted us access, unlimited access to intimacy with the God of the universe through his death, and through what we celebrate today, his resurrection. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and the lamb who was slain, and the one who made us a kingdom of priests to our God. Only he is truly worthy to be made much of. I want to encourage you. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, I want to encourage you to do that and do it often. Do it often. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, we would love to help you understand what it means to do the most amazing thing that you could possibly do, what you were created for, to make much 
of the risen Savior. I'm not talking about being a weirdo. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone whose life just overflows with God is just so amazing. God is just so good. I need to make much of him in the way I think, act, talk, priorities, everything. And I need help from other faithful believers with that too. Actually, we're going to do that right now. I'm going to have the band is going to come on up. Um, and I've asked the band to, uh, I've asked Robin to, and she does a great job of play a song that really is taken right out of this passage. You're going to hear some very familiar phrases in this song. Some of you might have heard it's a newer worship song that's out there. It's wonderful. It really talks about these things. And after this song is over, what are we going to, I'll come back up and tell you what we're kind of going to do after that. So go ahead.